Du lyssnar på Framgångspodden i samarbete med Acast. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Det här avsnittet presenteras i samarbete med Framgångsakademin som är Sveriges största tjänst för personlig utveckling och karriär. Och de har nu lanserat Framgångsakademins app där du kan kolla på alla kurser direkt i mobilen vart du än befinner dig. Här har du Sveriges främsta experter samlade på en och samma plats i syfte att utveckla dig. I och med detta har vi tagit fram ett once in a lifetime erbjudande där du får gå utbildningar helt gratis första månaden följt av 80% rabatt som du sedan behåller hur länge du vill. Det är alltså ingen bindningstid eller uppsägningstid. Nu är det enbart 500 stycken som får det här erbjudandet så det är först till kvarn som gäller. Allt handlar om att inte stå stilla på samma ställe utan istället utvecklas. Och vill du vidare i livet så är det absolut det billigaste och bästa sättet du kan göra det på. Det är ett enkelt sätt att levla upp både din karriär och dig själv. Så vad väntar du på? Gå in på kampanj.framgangsakademin.se och signa upp dig direkt. Alltså kampanj.framgangsakademin.se Welcome ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce you to maybe one of the biggest podcasts in the world. Fram Gangspotten with Alexander Perleros. In today's episode, we have the legendary and remarkable best-selling author, former monk and purpose coach. He has dedicated his entire life to helping millions of people worldwide find a real purpose and happiness with his incredible wisdom. He has over 30 million followers on his social media and he has just launched his best-selling book, Think Like a Monk. A warm welcome, Jay Shetty. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Let me introduce you to Fram Gangspotten with Alexander Paleros. In 
today's episode we have the legendary and remarkable best-selling author, Former Monk. He has dedicated his entire life to helping millions of people worldwide, finding their real purpose and happiness with his incredible wisdom. A warm, warm welcome, Jay Sherid. Thank you so much thank for having me. I'm, I'm really grateful, <laughs> man. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. Thank you for being here today. How are you, my friend? I'm good. I'm good. I'm feeling really uh, grateful and humbled right now because of all the love that the book's receiving. And that's very meaningful to a creator. You know that when you create something and you try and serve and help people through it and people receive it and it's helping them and hearing that feedback and reading the reviews, it's it's really meaningful. Yeah. How long time did it take for you to, to wrote this book? It's so good. I must say to all the audience, it's it's so so imperative and and good book and also in this kind of situation we live in right now uh, you are so stressed and you have to go back and feel the the purpose the wisdom the calm yeah i would say it took me in total about five hours a day for 12 months that was the process oh. it was very intense in terms of every day countless hours writing, thinking, brainstorming, rewriting. And then I had an incredible research team that were helping me find studies and science. And so I had a lot of friends, uh, Dr. Laurie Santos at Yale, who recommended me studies on monks' brains. And I was reaching out to Dr. Robert Waldinger at Harvard about Zen teachings on monks' brains. And so (laughs) I had a lot of great friends who were very supportive and helpful in finding the research because the book has so much science in it. Yeah, it has. Can you tell us a little bit about some science about the monk brain? Yeah, absolutely. So there's been countless different studies done on monks' brains. And one of my favorite ones, and I got to interview him a few years ago, his name is Matthew Rickard, a very famous author and, and traveling monk as well, and speaks at TED and other conferences. And I believe one university scanned his brain and named him the world's happiest man because when they scanned his brain, they found the highest form of gamma waves, which is linked to happiness, joy and presence and attention and compassion. So monks brains have the highest form of all of these uh, closest uh, notifications or signals that you would see. And another monk that I speak about, uh, Tibetan monk, uh, his name's uh, Mingyur Rinpoche, hard to say, but that's his official name. And I begin the book with a study that is shared around his brain. And what people were shocked by, the scientists were shocked, is that his attention can literally go from on to off like a light switch. So if you literally do a light switch, he can literally go on and off in his focus in that millisecond of a time. And they tested 22 other monks and they saw the same level of gamma waves. So there are so many studies. This isn't just a book about spiritual teachings. It isn't just a book about ideas. It's a book showing the practices, the strategies and the steps uh, that monks take in order to reach this level of attention and this level of presence. Incredible, incredible. And... um... Which area and what do you feel? You were a monk for two and a half years. Three years, yes. Three years it was. Um, How easy is it to uh, go back and fall back? You live in a hectic city and you have a hectic life and all the social media and all stuff like that. How it's, you don't live with monks anymore. 
Yeah, so I moved back to London and my parents' home around seven years ago now. So I've been back in the real world uh, for around seven years. And do you miss the monk life? I, I personally miss parts of it, but I don't miss all of it. I love the life that I have right now. I'm so grateful for, I, I really feel like I'm now in my purpose and in my element. But the monk life was very important for me to get here. And that's kind of how I see it, that my monk life was like going to school, the training ground. And then the last seven years have been like the test and the exam and the practice and the actual game. And, and so for me, I really believe that everything I learned in monk life, I put in the book. But to answer your question, when I first came back, it was really difficult to reintegrate because I didn't know who the prime minister was. I didn't know who won the World Cup and I'm a big, big football fan. Uh, I didn't know how to do small talk because monks don't do small talk. And so when I first came back, it was one of the most low moments in my life because I just had no idea how to fit into society again. But that's when all of the monk wisdom started to help. And that's why I'm sharing all of that today. Incredible. And um, you also talk very much about your routines in the book as well and um, meditation. Can you tell us a little bit about your morning routine? Yeah, so a morning routine is something that's so important for all of us and an evening routine as well because your day really starts the evening before. So it's so important that our evening routine and our morning routine exist. And the reason for them is right now, we all know there's so much uncertainty in the world. There's so many ups and downs. Things are changing every second. But when you have your evening and morning routine set, you feel a sense of certainty. You feel a sense of security, you feel a sense of stability. And so that's why morning and evening routines are so important is because you feel you start your day off right and you end your day off right. And if even everything goes wrong in the middle of the day, you know you have something that's going to bring you back into alignment and feeling centered. So when we were monks, we woke up at 4 a.m. We meditated for sometimes four to eight hours a day, if not more. Uh, we took cold showers, so we slept on the floor. <laughs> We, uh, we, all of our possessions fit inside a gym locker. We all had a gym locker where everything we owned fitted inside. But now my morning routine is different. And I recommend four key habits for everyone's morning routine. And it comes in the form of the acronym TIME, T-I-M-E. So T stands for thankfulness. I think starting your day with gratitude is really important because studies show that when you're present in gratitude, you can't be anywhere else. So when you're actually feeling grateful, you actually can't be stressed or anxious. And so feeling grateful is a really powerful feeling. And imagine in the morning, instead of feeling anxious, if you woke up and felt grateful. Now, the best way to feel grateful is to not just experience thankfulness, but express it, share it, tell someone, send exactly. a text message, voice note, uh, make a video. Tell someone how much they mean to you, one person a day. So that's the first habit. One person a day. One person a day, you have to thank them. And it has to be specific, personalized, and it has to be a voice note, a video, or a text message that has, has a bit of depth to it. It's not just saying thank you to someone who opens the door. That's good, you should do that. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about really feeling and then expressing gratitude to someone, specifically in a personalized way. Like you did, when we started this conversation, you were, you were saying so many wonderful things about the book and it was, like, it was very specific. You, you said what you liked about it. That's 
when you when you explain it in that way that's when you feel the benefit the i stands for inspiration everyone who listens to you already knows this they listen to your podcast your podcast is amazing you crush it you have so many you know downloads and people Thanks, every yeah. day you have to find inspiration in a podcast in a book a good example i'll give you is 80% of our studies show when we wake up in the morning the first thing we see is our phones before we look yeah. at our partners and our children and at night after we look at our partners and our children the phone is the first thing we see and the last thing we see now let me give you an example let's say you slept well and so you are at zero when you wake up you're at zero right you start your day when you start your day by looking at your phone you now open your day to news negativity notifications and noise you're now at a minus 5 and the whole day you're going to spend the whole day trying to get back to zero but if you start your day with thankfulness and now with inspiration listening to a podcast or reading your favorite quote you now start the day at a plus 5 and so even if the day is negative you still end the day at plus 2 and so you're always starting your day off right a lot of us start our day off wrong and then we're struggling the rest of the day the m is i m m is for meditation and in the simplest form meditation is sitting quietly by yourself spending time with yourself doing something alone just being present with yourself that is all it is to start off with if you're not a ex- experienced meditator and the e stands for exercise i can't stress this one enough and you don't have to love the gym you don't have to love the treadmill you don't have to love to do weights you can go on a walk you can do a dance party if that's what you want to do you can uh you can do yoga there are so many ways but movement movement is critical to how you feel i feel the difference there are days when i was doing my intense press cycle i couldn't work out for about 7 days because i was so busy back to back and i felt the difference and when i started working out again like today i exercised this morning it was a really great workout and i just feel so much better and it's amazing how much we don't realize how our mind and body are connected so thankfulness inspiration meditation and exercise 5 minutes of each a day to start your day will do wonders yeah i agree that's so good and when you exercise how do you do it do you have some Yeah so for me it's a mix of yoga and then high intensity so I do I do yoga because I find like flexibility stretching really getting my body into positions that I'm not used to like we're used to sitting like this all day and we don't realize how bad it is for our hips and how bad it is for our legs like chairs are not designed uh to benefit your body uh and unfortunately and so for me it's really really important that i start with yoga and then my trainer has been getting me into some high intensity workouts uh which he designs which are like 30 second bursts of high intensity exercises like about the about the yeah, workout yeah yeah exactly exactly and then 30 seconds of rest and then 30 seconds i work out and uh i i don't necessarily enjoy those but i definitely feel good after them so uh yeah, yeah that's so that's usually my workout routine i love <laughs> swimming too i don't do it enough anymore uh but i'm a big i i really enjoy swimming yeah are you a old swimmer no i used to swim, swim? I, i used to swim no i mean i wasn't i wasn't uh oh. i wasn't a hugely competitive swimmer or anything like that but i used to swim yeah, yeah i was swimming as well oh amazing Yeah, yeah, I mean Sweden. Uh, Sweden's got a lot of beautiful places to swim, so it's, uh, I don't blame you. I'm telling you, when we talk about uh, 
talking about the morning routine right now, I must tell you about the strangest morning routine I heard about. And but it might be very very good as well. But uh, I'm, I must must t- tell you about it. Believe it or not, but I have a close friend of mine, Johanna Hector, that conducts death meditation every morning. She begin, begins her day by exercising, like you, Jay, followed by death meditation, where she envisions her family dying, her three children, children as well, and then she finishes her routine with masturbation. Wow. Have you heard about this before? And what are your thoughts about these concepts? Have you heard about death meditation? I, I know what death meditation is. We did it a lot as monks, so very aware of that. Um, very, very common. I, I personally think meditation is so personal, and and I talk about in my book the three types of meditations: of breath work, visualization, and mantra. And visualization is where the death meditation would sit, where you visualize, uh, you know, what's something that's happening in the future or the past. And and I personally think that people have to find what gets them going. You know, once once upon a time, my morning routine was I would listen to the Steve Jobs commencement speech at Stanford every day, every day till the point that I really knew it off by heart at that time. And I listened to it every day for potentially a year and it changed my life. Like I can genuinely say listening to those words said by someone that powerful every day has an impact on your mind. And I started to, that's when there's a famous quote by him of, you know, don't waste your time living someone else's life. Uh, In that Mm -hmm. speech, he talks about don't be trapped by dogma, which is living with the results of other people's thinking. Hearing those messages again and again gets you really, really focused on what really matters to you. So to me, I think it's all about starting your day. But the point is to start your day intentionally. And if you're starting your day just waking up, looking at your phone, scrolling through or whatever comes up, whoever emails me, whatever news comes through, if you start your day like that, you're starting your day unintentionally and unconsciously. And now you have set, you have completely dropped your whole shield and your guard and now everyone's running into your time and mind. So to me, whether it's a death meditation or whether it's a visualization, and I start my days with visualization, I visualize what I'm going to do throughout the day and how I want to be in that moment, what intention I want to show up with to everything, uh, how I want to behave today, what's going to make me feel in most alignment with my values today. Uh, and I find them really useful. So I think it's about finding your own your own mix. Yeah. And what are your evenings routines then? You don't, I, I read that you don't use your phone Um, from, is it 9 a.m. and then after 9 p.m.? I usually start looking at my phone first thing in the morning around, I'd say probably about 8 a.m. when I go to the when I go to work out. So I wake up at 6 a.m. every day and I don't look at my phone usually till about 8 a.m. and then 8.15. And then I probably put my phone down in the evening, probably about 7 p.m. And of course, that is something that I break all the time. It can run into 8 p.m. Yeah, and also right now when you launch the book. So. Totally, and it's international and I'm not traveling. So, I, you know, but but my the point is to have no technology zones and no technology times in your home. So have rooms where you don't use technology. So for me and my wife, it's the dining table and the bedroom. We're like no technology. 
and then times. And you may break these rules. You may get it wrong. I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. I get it wrong. The point is, if you set the rule, you're more likely to stick to it. Whereas if you don't have a rule, then you have no reason. And I really believe this is the most important rule. When you're with other people, put it away. That's the number one thing. When you are with other people, when you have the opportunity to be present with other humans, put it away. That's the time that it's so important to really have human connection, look eye to eye, hold hands, like be present, like, you know, to, to really be in human connection. So when I'm with other people, I don't try and use my phone. That's polite. And, well, it's uh, the only way to live, I feel, because otherwise... What's the point of being around anyone? No one wants to be around someone who's on their phone. And so even before COVID, when I'd be at parties or events sometimes, I would just put my phone on charge somewhere else in the house. And so then that way I don't even think about it. And then you're able to mix with people and, and connect with them. And now let's take it back to the beginning of your journey. When I read your book, I felt like you had some somewhat messy upbringing in London. Uh, would that be an accurate observation, Yay? Yeah, I think uh, I, I would call myself, you know, I had a, uh, I was really well behaved until age 14. And then at age 14, I started hanging around in the wrong circles. And and I know that was true because, I, you know, in my heart, I've never, never wanted to get into trouble or do anything bad or whatever it was. I, you know, I've, I'm pretty, uh, I'm, uh, you know, I, I, that's not really who I am, but I realized I got involved in the wrong circles and yeah, just got into all sorts of things that teenagers get into, but... You were taking drugs and fighting and uh, became suspended three times. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got suspended three times from school. You experiment with drugs, you explore new opportunities and, and ideas at that time. Which which kind of drugs did you take? Was it like everything or was it marijuana or cocaine or ecstasy? Um, a, or? A, bit of, a, a few different things, a few different things. Uh, many of the ones you mentioned, um, but uh, it was all trying. It wasn't consistent. There was nothing that I did that I consistently got into or got addicted. I was I was too scared to ever get addicted. I was, yeah, I was like, oh, I'll try that. I'll play around with that. But I was like, I would never... I would never do something consistently. I was I was able to to control myself. Um but but what I found is that where that really came from was this obsession with looking for purpose. I was really looking for purpose even though I didn't know that at that time. Now when I look back and people are like, "Oh, don't you miss it?" Like, you know, I don't drink alcohol. I, you know, I I don't do drugs for sure. Um and And for me, it's like, people are always like, well, don't you miss any of it? And the truth is, I don't miss any of it because my life is so thrilling. I have, my life is like incredibly thrilling. I get to do exciting things every day. I get to live on the edge and do something new every day. I feel happily nervous every day because I'm trying to meet with someone interesting or I'm doing this. So for me, it's like, I was looking for that thrill that was meaningful. And I feel all of us are looking for a meaningful thrill And when we don't find a meaningful thrill, we find a meaningless thrill. And that's where we kind of turn towards these external obsessions for uh, physical experiences as opposed to mental and emotional healing. And um, it's 2010 and you are at Cass Business School in London. And one of your friends invites you to a lecture. What happened? Yeah, so I was fascinated by people growing up that had sacrificed discipline, drive. 
I love those stories. The first two books that I really properly read were the autobiography of David Beckham and uh, the autobiography of Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Uh, this was when he was still a wrestler before he was an actor. And I was just blown away by how much discipline they had, how much hard work they had. So I would love to go and hear people speak as well. And I would hear from yeah. CEOs and entrepreneurs. And before, remember, I mean, by the way, back in the day, we didn't have this opportunity. There were no podcasts. There were no video interviews. <laughs> you, you couldn't just no. go on YouTube and, oh, you, you know, you couldn't just go on and listen to a podcast like this. You had to actually go to events. And so I would try and go. And my friends invited me to hear a monk speak. And I was thinking, what am I going to learn from a monk? You know, like <laughs> what, have, what have monks done? Like I didn't really know much about monks. And so I went with very low expectations. Like I, I went and mm -hmm. I said to them, I'll only go if we go to a bar afterwards. That was my state, state <laughs> of consciousness. And so anyway, we go to this, uh, we go to this place, uh, go, go, sorry, go to the event and it's one of those humbling moments in life where mm -hmm. you go with an ego and you go thinking you're not going to learn anything and you walk out and you think, wow, like, wow. wow, that, that really changed me. And it changed me because I met someone who was living life differently. Now you may never meet a monk, but my question to you is who is your monk? Who have you not met yet? that is, hasn't inspired you differently. And most of us, we meet the same people who do the same stuff, who look the same, who wear the same stuff, who want to achieve the same stuff. And when you grow up in a society that is same, 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 guess what? You then want to become the same as everyone else. And when you want to become the same, you lose yourself. And so for me, meeting a monk, what a monk stands for is rebelling against society and finding yourself. And that's what it means to think like a monk is, how do you not just buy in to your society's version of what success is and find your own? And, and to me, that's what this man had done. When I listened to him, you know, he was truly joyful and purposeful and happy. And I thought, I want that. So that's what happened wow. uh, that evening. And it, it completely changed my, my direction. And I think that's what it is. It's, it's not about, it's not necessarily about changing what you want. It's about why you want it and making sure it's what you really want, what's really important mm. to you. And I think that's what happened that night for me. Mm. And he said also this quote, the tree. Yeah, you must, you must take the one. He, I love he, it. He shared this famous quote, um, who I'm trying, the, the author of it, uh, I can't remember it right now, but um, he shares this famous quote and the quote says, Uh, plant trees under whose shade you do not plan to sit. And when I mm. heard that, it really deeply impacted me because I thought, wow, he said, that's the goal of life, that when you can give people service and support, but you don't expect anything from them. And I thought, that's wow, good. that is that special. I can, I can die for that, you know? And there's a beautiful quote by Martin Luther King that says, if you have nothing to die for, then you have nothing to live for. And I thought that, I'm willing to die for that. Like, that makes sense. Like, I'm, I, I don't want to die, you know, 50 cent has get rich or die trying. I was like, eh, no, not sure about that one. But, you know, <laughs> this, and I love that album, yeah. by the way. I, I love that album by 50 cent. But, um, but, uh, but this one, I was like, yeah, that, you know, that seems like it's really worth dying for. Yeah. 
And I want to talk a little bit about uh, Rich and uh, Famous. And I want to play um, a short clip from your book. And um, in this clip, you ask about a common goal in life. Um, I want to be rich and I and have a lot of money. Then you ask several times why in order to get to the root. We can listen to it now. Undeniably part of what we want from life. So let's get to the root of this goal rather than just dismissing it. Wealth is your desired outcome. Why? I don't ever want to have to worry about money again. Why do you worry about money? I can't afford to take the vacations I dream about. Why do you want those vacations? I see everyone else on exotic trips on social media. Why should they get to do that when I can't? Why do you want what they want? They're having much more fun than I have on my weekends. Aha. So now we're at the root of the want. Your weekends are unfulfilling. What's missing? I want my life to be more exciting, more adventurous, more exhilarating. Okay. Your intention is to make your life more exciting. Notice how different that is from, I want money. Your intention is still driven by the desire for personal gratification. But now you know two things. First, you can add more adventure to your life right now without spending more money. And second, you now have the clarity to decide if that's something you want to work hard for. This is so, so good and so well said. Why is it so substantial to ask why? Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And I, you're listening to it on like times two or something like that. Yeah, 1.25. 1.25. Yeah, I was like, my voice sounds so different. Uh, I've never heard it on 1.25. Uh, but yeah, so what I'm trying to decipher is with that, and it's called like a question meditation or the why ladder, as I call it in the book. It's like for a lot of us, we start chasing and pursuing things because we see them as being important. Why do we want the next iPhone? Why do we want the next yeah. um, piece of clothing? Why do we want the next, whatever it is? Because we see that as being the antidote to a feeling of dissatisfaction. Now, I'm not saying it's bad to have the new iPhone. I have the new iPhone. I'm not saying it's bad to have nice clothes. You know, I have nice clothes. Like, it's not about that, but it's about, it's about the bigger things that sometimes you spend decades chasing only to realize that you don't know why you did that. And so when you ask why, you actually understand what's missing from your life and you don't try and solve it through a thing or an object. You try and solve it through a change in your mindset. So a lot of the examples I give is, is like, for example, if, if you don't like your career, you may go on an amazing holiday this weekend, but that doesn't change the fact that you don't like your career. And that's going to require more work and more change. So when you keep asking why, you actually start solving the root of the issue. And the reason why the root of the issue is so important is the same way. It's like, let's say you have a rash here and you keep putting different creams on it, trying to figure out what it is that and it doesn't go away. When you go to the doctor and the doctor tells you that's a really bad infection and you need to deal with the root of the issue. And so similarly, too many of us are dealing with the symptoms. We're dealing with the... The, the little rash on top. We're not dealing with the root. And so when you keep asking why, you get to the root of your, your concern. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Do you think this is a common big problem that we, like we talked about before, like all the kind of news that comes to us and uh, all the news that this guy buy a car or do like this and all the Instagram, all the social media. It's very easy to get into this and live our life like anybody else are doing or that live our life like you said before i love this quote i must say to you this is one of the best uh, i have i have heard i'm not what i think i am i am not what you think i am i am what i think you think i am <laughs> it's, uh, it's, he wrote it describes everything. everything yeah it describes it's my favorite quote and it really describes the the monk mindset is breaking that And so Charles Horton Cooley wrote that in 1890, I believe. And, and it's so accurate because, yeah, so many of us are living our lives mirrored and he calls it the looking glass self where we're mirroring what we think other people think we are and is important to us. So we live in a perception of a perception of ourselves. And the issue with that is, and, and by the way, it's all about filtering it out. So People are all, the mind works that way. So we have to learn to filter out what is important to us and what has become important just because someone told us it has to be important. So that's always going to be there. You're never going to change the way the mind works and how humanity works. We have to filter what is important to us. And, you know, until we start analyzing each thought, and in the book, I give this really... um, practical exercise i just want to show it because it's easier to share it visually and for anyone who who has the physical version of the book you'll find that it has this exercises in it so it has all these try this so this is an example of a value where that value comes from and is it true to me so we all have values in our life But where do those values come from? Is it coming from a parent? Is it coming from media? Is it coming from school? Is it coming from tradition? And then you're asking the question, well, do I want it? Is it useful to me? So we have to, we have to give up the values that don't serve us. We have to let go of the pursuits. You know, if you spent your whole life trying to become something, and then when you become it, you then realize that's not what you wanted. You just did it to make someone else happy. What a waste of life that can be. Yeah, and so, so we don't, we don't have to live in that regret. Yeah. And what do you recommend to find your purpose? What do you recommend people to do to find your purpose? So in, in the book, I, I present the concept of Dharma. Dharma is the Sanskrit word for eternal purpose or your nature. 
And purpose to summarize here, and I give a 20 question um, uh, test and activity inside the book, but it's to simplify it. It's passion, purpose equals passion plus strengths plus compassion. So when you find the synergy between your passion, your strengths and your compassion, that is purpose. So instead of trying to find your purpose, focus on finding your passion your strengths and your compassion. Now, how do you find your passion? Your passion begins with curiosity. It begins with interest. What are you interested in? What are you curious about? You need to start learning about it. You need to start reading about it. You need to start getting immersed in it. If you're not willing to get obsessed and immersed, you can't discover your passion. It's not just going to fall on you one day. It's not just going to be a light bulb moment. It's not just going to be a switch. You have to work at it. For me, my passion became studying ancient texts and trying to make them relevant. That's literally my passion. My passion is studying books and insights and ideas and trying to see how we can make them relevant and entertaining and accessible. That's my passion. And I can do that with lots of different kinds of topics that I'm interested in, but I've had to really read a lot and study a lot to be able to do that. Strengths is really important. And I think for most people, I see this being the missing link. A lot of people are passionate about something, but we have to put in the work to become really good at it if we want it to be our purpose. If, it's, if you don't become really good at it, it's a hobby. It's like me and football. I love football. I am passionate about football. I know everything about every player and transfer and team. And <laughs> I, I love it. I absolutely love it. Yeah. But I don't have the strength to play in the Premier League or in any league because I haven't worked at it. I haven't put in the energy and the effort to do that. And so strength. And finally, compassion. How does it help other people? How do your passion and strength serve others? When you figure out how it serves others, that fulfills the whole purpose. So that's how you do it. Yeah, that's a really good one. And do you feel that you have find your purpose and find your passion or can it change it evolves. right now? It or? evolves, it evolves. The, the, the actual feeling you have inside of what you're trying to do may stay the same, but the form it will take is different. So first my passion and purpose was you, it's not my passion and purpose wasn't to make videos my passion and purpose has always been to try and make wisdom relevant so it took the form of videos then it took the form of the podcast and now it's taken the form of the book but it's not that making a book is my passion or my purpose it's what's inside it it's not that making videos is my passion or my purpose it's it's the messaging that i'm passionate about and it's the en engagement and the entertainment and so for me, passion and purpose is not a career. It's not, it's not what you do. It's, it's the deep intention and the desire with which you do it. If, if we jump into the negativity, that's also you have a very good chapter in the book. Is it true that 80% of our thoughts are negative? Yeah, a study shows that we have 60 to 80,000 thoughts per day and 80% of them are negative. And a lot of them are repeated. So a lot of them that's, the that's not a good start. It's not a good start. And, and that's what I mean, that you can't start your day with more negativity. That's why these habits have to be non-negotiable. And that's why limiting your news time, choosing where you get informed from, being careful about what you follow and what you read, having your own schedule. See, if you don't have a schedule, you will mindlessly scroll. So one of the things I talk to people a lot about is every hour of my day is planned out. So I know what I'm doing every hour of my day, including breaks, including lunch, including rest. 
because that's the only way that you don't allow time wasting to get involved. And so that includes taking lunch. It's not like I'm just working all the time. It includes taking a break. But if you set your week up the night before and the week before, and you say, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm focused on. You won't have the time to mindlessly scroll. Like, I, I know what I'm doing straight after this finishes. I don't have the time to actually mindlessly scroll or get lost in that. But do you put in breaks or... Break time, rest time, lunch time, dinner time. Everything is in the calendar. Yeah, but how, how many? But Because it's very, very easy to, to put the calendar totally full all the time. And then you only have like 20 minutes for lunch. And then you rush home and you're so stressed and you feel like, holy shit. And maybe you have a work that you, that you love and you have a family that you love, but you don't feel the happiness in your life at all. And that's why I think you're spot on that we have to find what is our rhythm that we can keep up with. Like the point is people think if I don't take breaks, I'll get more done. Scientifically, that's not true either. People who take breaks more regularly are more productive and effective because they do that. So for you, you have to figure out what cycles you work in. Like I know that for me, the morning slot from 9 a.m. to 12 noon is a working slot for me. And I'll usually take a 15 minutes break in the middle of that. Right. So usually straight after this, I'll probably take a little bit of a break and then I'll get back to it. Just 15 minutes. Then 12 o'clock, I always split for lunch. Right now, everyone's at home for lockdown. So taking a 30 minute lunch is real because you think, oh, God, if I take a 30 minute lunch, I'm not going to get this much work done. The truth is you'll go back so much fresher that you get your work done quicker. And I think that's what we yeah. don't realize is that we work slower because we don't take breaks. Whereas if you take breaks and you rest your mind, you actually come back and you'll be more productive and effective. Right. And you have um, many kind of tips in the book and some how you handle negativity, like 25%, 75% principles, allocate time, don't be a savior, audit your negativity comments, breathe. Can you talk about this further? Yeah, I'd say that one of the things I hear a lot from people is I'm just surrounded by negativity. I'm just constantly around negative people. Now, you can't change people. You can't, you can't tell them to be positive. And if they feel negative to you, then what can you do about it? The only thing you can do about it is spend more time with positive people. So when I talk about 25-75, you want to make 25% of your life people that you may be trying to help and bring up. And, and give energy to or that take energy away from you. But you want to make sure that all your other time is spent with people who bring you up. And that is a choice we all have. And so for me, it's like you can't change people. You can't change a situation. You can't change a scenario. But you can focus on being around the people that lift you up more. So you may say, Jay, I spent eight hours at work. It's not about the time you spend with those people. It's about how much energy you share with them, how much deeply you interact with people. And so it's really important that your deep, immersive activities on the weekend are with people that lift you up. Uh, another thing that's really important is to remember that a lot of us amplify the negative and we devalue the positive. So if you have nine, you know, if you have nine friends that tell you you look beautiful and one friend tells you you look tired or you don't look good, you're thinking about that one friend who told you you don't look good. And we amplify that rather than, and the reason that happens is when someone says to you, you look beautiful or you look great, you just say, oh yeah, no, you know, you just deflect it. 
rather than really <laughs> receiving it, rather than really personalizing and saying, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Like, thank you. And when you accept it, you realize, oh, there's some truth in that. Whereas when someone says something negative to you, you take that personally. So it's funny. We take compliments impersonally and we take criticism personally. And, and it actually needs to be that we, we take both of them, understanding them for what they are. And, but how do you and how do Monk handle haters? I think one of the best ways that um, you handle negativity or criticism is firstly by remembering that it's there to humble you. It's there to ground you. It's there to remind you that you're human. And it's there to remind you that uh, you have work to do. And I, and I think that's the number one thing that a monk does in, in that time. The second is to remove the personal criticism and look at the feedback that may be useful. So removing and extracting the the almost the criticism and the actual constructive part of it and taking the constructive part and leaving the criticism behind because that can come from different intentions. And the third and final way is to remind yourself of your intention and why you're doing what you're doing, improving, trying to uh, better yourself from mistakes and trying to make those changes moving forward. Yeah, but do you get stressed and uh, do you feel anxious if you uh, read negative comments of you? I, I got some really, really good advice from Simon Sinek. And he was one of the first people that I interviewed. And, and he was telling me that, you know, we, we waste so much time responding to negativity and we don't respond to positivity. So he made a rule early on in his career that he would respond more to the positivity. I feel that as soon as you cross a certain space, there is no one in the world who is completely liked by everyone. And we all know that to want that is a wishful thought. And, and you could spend your whole life trying to do that and, and no one would ever win and no one in the world would ever win. And so to me, reminding myself that I'm human, that I'm not perfect, uh, that I make mistakes, that um, people are allowed to have their view and their viewpoint, I just use that to accept that that is just part of the journey for anyone right. who is trying to make an impact or anyone who has reached a tipping point. It's just the way it is. And you can't have one without the other. You can't have the incredible success and love and support without having the other side. It's just not possible, actually. It's really not possible. Yeah, and also, this, this, this is also about uh, Robin Sharma talk very much about. Yeah, and so you just accept that that is part of the journey. And, and monks realize that, that ultimately any of this is to detach you from anything, if, from any ego or any uh, pride that may be there. That's what all of it's there for. Mm. And you said ego, and ego can be a significant reason to many problems that people have in their life. How can you manage the ego? The ego is something that you have to build up a positive relationship with. And what I mean by that is you have to notice it and you almost have to laugh at how the ego thinks it's so powerful because you don't want self-work and self-development to be strict. Like, you don't want it to be like, oh my God, my ego's taking over. Oh no, 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 I've got a headache. And that's how you kind of, that's how you put pressure on yourself. Whereas monks sometimes will be like, ah, I see you. I saw you there, ego. I know you're trying to sneak in, but 
I'm watching you, like I've got my eye on you. And when you talk to the ego in that way, it just lets you laugh at how silly the ego is. It's almost like if you catch your dog doing something silly and you'll be like, I, I can see you, I see it. You know, you, you, don't, you don't turn it on to like, oh my God, you're so bad, the ego's so bad. And so the point is to start first, to, to monitor the ego, you have to notice where it arises. And it most often arises when we feel insecure. And so we have to ask ourselves, why do I feel insecure? And we usually feel insecure because we don't have a skill that we see someone else has, or we don't have an achievement that someone else has. And when you notice that, you then ask yourself, but do I even want that achievement? Do I really? And if the answer is yes, the second question is, do I want to do the work for that achievement? Because it's easy to want the same thing as someone else. It, I, I say this to people all the time. Like you look at someone like Cristiano Ronaldo, right? And I'm just using him as an example. Most people would want his career. Most people would want his body. Most people would want his lifestyle. A lot of people. <laughs> and yeah. uh, he's the most followed person on Instagram. But the question is, do you want to do the work? Do you want to wake up at 4 a.m.? Do you want to eat that diet? Do you want to work out? And the answer is no. And so then you have to be okay with saying, well, let me not feel insecure about that because I actually don't even want to do what he does. And, and that's why you have to find the thing that you're committed to as much as he is. Because when you're committed, when you're driven, when you're focused, when you're purposeful, your ego will actually fade away because you learn to appreciate and respect others. And you realize I have strengths and I have weaknesses and my weaknesses are other people's strengths and my strengths are other people's weaknesses. And you start to see that everyone has their own journey rather than, you know, in the book I call it, um, I say that the theater of happiness has infinite seats. And because of the world, we've been trained to believe that there are just a finite number of seats in the theater of happiness and success. So we all think if that person made it, then I can't make it. If that person got that title, then I can't get that title. And that's actually not true because the title of life, the theater of joy and happiness and purpose, there's a seat with everyone's name on it. And the problem is we're trying to get someone else's seat. So we're not looking for our seat. And that's why our seat is empty waiting for us. And we're competing. Everyone's competing for the same yeah. seat. It doesn't make any sense. Imagine you went to a concert and you're all competing for that same seat. Um, yeah. yeah. I agree. I agree. And we come to the last questions. And um, what is one of the best advice you have get from a monk? Great, great question. Um, I'd say the best advice I received, uh, I remember speaking to one of my teachers who used to be a monk. He, he was married afterwards, um, but he died this year of stage four brain cancer, a very close mentor in my oh. life. I loved him. He was really important. He, he did my engagement ceremony with my wife. He was a huge mentor to both of us. I'm sorry. No, thank you. Yeah. And so seven years ago, when I left the monastery, I asked him, I said, I said, I've got so many ideas. I've got so much enthusiasm, but I'm so stuck and I don't know where to start. I was like, I have no idea where to start. I want to do something, but I don't know where to start. I'm lost. I'm confused. There's too many. I've got too many options. I don't know where to go. What do I do? And, and he said to me, he said, your job is to open up every door. Your job is to try everything. And he said, some doors will stay open and some will close 
keep walking through the doors that stay open. And that literally changed my life because that day I went and opened all the doors. I tried everything. I applied to all the companies. I sent my videos. I did this. I did that. And some doors closed and some doors stayed open and I kept walking through. The problem is we want a specific door to open. And so we don't try another door. And the, the greatest gift that I've had in my life is I've tried to knock on and open every door. And I've just been happy to walk through the one that stays open. And, and so most of us are just waiting for one door to open. And that's, that's a risky strategy because your path, you may get to, I, I always say to people, you'll get to where you want in life, just not in the way you imagined it. And, and I think the problem is we want to get there the way we imagine it. Incredible wisdom, yay. <laughs> Thank you, man. This was wonderful, wonderful questions and yeah. uh, grateful for your time and your energy and sharing this with your audience. And I look forward to meeting you when I come to Sweden. Yeah, you must do it. I have one last question, if it's okay with you. How do you want to be remembered? Good question. Um, I genuinely don't care if I'm remembered or not. Uh, I care whether people will remember that ancient wisdom is really powerful and important. It works. It, it's really, mm. it really works. And I'm just trying to give a resurgence to a lot of the timeless wisdom that we've forgotten and lost and that we've, we think is worthless because it's old, because we all think that the new thing is cool. And that's why I start the book from this quote from Ivan Pavlov of, if you want a new idea, read an old book. Uh, everything, whether it was, uh, Tesla's ideas. Tesla is old as an idea. It's old as anything. And like, um, you know, a famous monk named Swami Vivekananda used to spend time with Tesla. And Tesla said a lot of it inspired a lot of his work. I'm talking about Nikolai Tesla, not not the car. And and you look at Einstein's work was inspired by timeless wisdom. Just, just there's so much there. And so my goal is for people to remember the wisdom, not remember me, because I think, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't think there's any value in in remembering me. I think there's more value in remembering wisdom because that's applicable and practical. So that that's how I'd like to be remembered is that the wisdom's remembered. Remarkable. It was uh, it was a complete honor to have you here today. Thank you very very much for this opportunity. Um, please follow right now Yay on a, on all his social media platform. I put the link in the bio and also buy his book this is it's incredible think like a monk so so good i loved it so much wisdom uh, inspirational and um, purpose very very good thank you very much yay honor to have you here thank you man thank you so much this was wonderful thank you for your time i'm really grateful fram gang with alexander perleros Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.